Hello, lovely humans. I'm Wildly, and you are listening to Sex Stories, a podcast where we dive into the details of sex lives and sex work lives so that we can all have better sex. Our focus today is professional, and our guest is the host of the Strictly Anonymous podcast, a podcast where you can listen in on the secret lives of total strangers. You know we like that here. She uncovers the details of her guests' hidden lives and, in her own words, gives unprofessional advice. Remaining Strictly Anonymous herself, welcome, Kathy Kay. Hi, listen, uh, you know, I feel like we've existed in the same space for so long. It's so nice to finally meet you. Likewise. Also, I first heard about you from my uncle. He was like, oh, you have a sex podcast? And then he told me about yours. And apparently, and this was years ago, he was like, yeah, at the end, she asks everyone this question of, you know, if you could go back and give yourself sex advice. And I was like, oh, I asked that. But I didn't, I hadn't listened to your show at that point. And so I was like, that is so funny. Yeah. Can you start off by telling us about your work? Like, how are you making the world a sexier, more loving place? And tell us your professional origin story. Like, how did it all come to be? Oh, my God. It came to be so long ago. And I'm so glad that it did because I love what I do. And I feel like if I started it now, it would be so much harder to, like, build it up and everything because everyone's doing a podcast. When I started, it was like eight years ago. There, There just wasn't a lot of people doing it. But I was in entertainment world. I had always worked with comedians. That's what I did like for a career at that time. And those were the people that had podcasts, right? And they were always like, oh, Kathy, because I talk a lot, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like you should, you should have your own podcast. So they were the ones. This one guy, Robert Kelly, he uh, got me all set up. He taught me everything that I needed to do. You know, I knew I wanted to do a call in advice show because I love like, you know, peeling back the layers and analyzing my friends' problems and helping them <laughs> with it and you know, they were always annoyed by me. So I'm like, why don't I just go out and do it for other people that want it, right? You yeah. Know? So that's how it started. I didn't set out to do a sex podcast, really. Like I said, I wanted to do just like a call and advice show. And at the time, you know, I was so nervous that my show was going to suck and I was going to be terrible at this because I didn't know what I was doing. I had never had a show. I wasn't a host. I was never talking to people in this kind of way. So I did it on the down low in the beginning. I didn't want anyone to know what I was doing because if it failed miserably, which I figured I was going to fail miserably, nobody would, you know, know about it. So I'm like, how, so how am I going to get guests on my show? Right. Without telling people, I can't go to my Facebook. I can't go to my Twitter. So I decided to go to Craigslist. Craigslist was around (laughs) back in the day. Thank God for effing Craigslist, okay? Because that's how my whole show started. And and this is like so funny. So I go on Craigslist and I'm like, I want to post an ad for my show to get people to call in. And when I went to like the community boards or wherever I went first, like you had to pay like 30 bucks for mm-hmm. an ad. And I was like, you know, thinking my show was going to suck and I had already invested all this money. I'm like, I'm not paying $30. Like, where can I go for free? Like, yeah. swear to God, I was just being cheap. And the only place to post for free was in the personal sections. And there, that is how it all started. I didn't have the title of my show. I didn't know what my show was going to be. My friend told me just like start taping things and you could figure that out later. So I posted an ad in every section on Craigslist, like men for men, women for men, casual encounters, all that free, put it up there. And it was like, I hit gold. I got like so many emails back from people with the craziest stories I had ever heard. You know, I taped five episodes. I had a co-host in the beginning. We taped five episodes in one day the first time. Yeah, amazing. (laughs) And then it became like this show. And so, and then I was like, oh, like maybe we can make people anonymous and I could do this all the time. And then it became this whole thing. But I had like probably 10 episodes taped before I figured out the whole concept, figured out the name, knew what I was doing. Um, And then it, it became this. And so Craigslist became like my place to find people. Like the, my first couple of years, that's what I did. I was working Craigslist in every city in the whole United States, trying to find people to call in my show and get somebody on a weekly basis. I don't have to do that now, but that's what I did. And, you know, listen, there was never a, a shortage of interesting stories in Craigslist. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I do. And it's the best. So it sounds like you're like me where you like, Love hearing people's stories. Yes. Well, that's what I always say on my show. Like, honestly, like if you were at a party with me, you would see me in the corner sitting down talking to someone doing the same exact thing that I do on my show. I like people a lot of time will be like, wow, how do you get like your questions set up and stuff? I'm like, I never have one question written ever. The less I know about someone, the better, because you're going to start talking to me and I'm just going to start 
digging and asking questions because I am naturally curious and naturally interested in people. Like I said, I do it in my life on a regular basis anyway. So what I'm doing on my show is the exact same thing. It's not hard for me. It's what I enjoy. I love it. I'm fascinated by people. And I truly believe that if you ask enough questions to anybody, you know, you could find that people are like super interesting. You know, you just got to like dig in deep. Totally. I know. I talk to people and they're like, oh, I'm boring. I'm I'm like, no, you're not. If you answer a question. Yeah, there's a story in everyone, you know, and I love people's stories. I love human nature. I love psychology. I love like life path and like where people are growing in evolution and growth and change and issues and problems and all that real shit that life is about. You know, that's like my favorite stuff. And that's what I uncover and talk about on my show. That's what I love about it because I get to do that, which is what I, like I said, do naturally. I love it. This is totally off topic. What's your astrology? What's your sign? Oh, I know. I'm very into astrology. I know everything. I am Libra rising Aries. I'm an Aries, you know, mm-hmm. with a Libra rising and a Virgo moon. And I'm oh. very much all three of those things. Yeah. Well, I mean, Libra rising is here for conversation. I love the Libra Aries. That's a built-in, nice built-in uh, polarity there. Balance. But the Virgo moon, let me tell you, that makes me, you know, sometimes a pain in the ass because I'm very Virgo deep down inside. You know, moon sign is very important. Are you like the like hypercritical Virgo or like the like worshipy Virgo or like discerning? Like how do you, or is that just the editor in you? I'm the, you know, I am the critical Virgo. I'm (laughs) I'm on time. I do everything right. But I'm also into health. I think I have a very intense interest in that kind of stuff and medical stuff. Like I'm all that Virgo. And An astrologer once told me, because I also like uh, book speakers and stuff for a living at some point, and I Mm. knew a lot of like famous astrologers, and someone told me this about astrology. It was very interesting, and it really rings true that up until you're 40, you're your sun sign, but after 40, you're like your moon sign, and Mm. I really see that in my life. Like I am much more like a Virgo now than I am an Aries. And I see it in all my friends. Like, it's super interesting. And start looking at people that way, that you do it. Like, the second part of your life is, like, more your moon sign. And that's what you're supposed to grow into. And that's, like, the natural sort of evolution in astrology. Oh, gosh. I could get real astrologically nerdy with you. But I just will say, Virgo <laughs> mixed with Libra, like, that is such a great advice giver. Like, that kind of, like, combination there. Because Libra has the, like, relationship and the connection and Virgo is like yeah the balance and Virgo is like and I will use it to heal so okay that's beautiful but I'm excited to ask you this question and this question is my origin story as a podcaster I was like oh do I count do you identify as a sex worker and like how do you define that and you know if you're making money from sex related details like what do you think you know I definitely would I don't think like if you were just to ask me a question am I a sex worker no I would never say that I'm a sex worker, but I feel very much a part of the sex industry. And Mm. that's a difficult place to be. Like I deal with a lot of the same things that sex workers deal with, you know, because I have a YouTube channel and, you know, you get strikes because of content and all that kind of stuff. So I could absolutely relate. And I feel like we exist in the same place, but I never call myself a sex worker, though I do believe I'm in the sex business. Okay. But maybe that is the right title. I don't know. I don't what, know. Do no. you call yourself a sex worker? Well, I'm a sex worker now for other reasons, but podcast wise, initially I was like, hmm, I am sharing my very personal details. Hmm. hmm. And then I was, you know, for a minute I was like posting nudes on OnlyFans, but they were like very artistic and I wasn't really thinking of them as sexy. And that's when another podcaster was like, you're a sex worker. And I'm like, oh, yeah, am I? Yeah, and so yeah. that, that's what sent me down this deep, deep dive rabbit hole of like wanting to talk to people in the industry to like learn about commerce and sex and censorship and all of this. So I just think it's so interesting because like, it, you know, I don't know, people have different definitions and, and relationships to that phrase. So would you tell us now, like, what is a regular day, week, month or year in the life of Kathy K like? Like, where, do, how do you spend your time in your sex-related work, like what's what's the juiciest about it for you, et cetera? I mean, I would say, you know, listen, this is like a 24-7 gig for me. It wasn't the first, you know, I've been doing my show for eight years. The first yeah. six years, it was something that I just did because I loved it and I yeah. did it consistently. Like I never missed an episode. I posted at the same time every, you know, Sunday at 8 p.m. for six years straight. And, you know, but it was like a, 
thing on the side that I did. And then I'm a single mom. I had a child. I had my son. And when I had my son, the first couple of years, I continued to do it. I was, I really, it was very important to be a stay at home mom. You know, my life was being a mom at that time. And then when he went into school, it was like, either I go back to work and, you know, my podcast keeps going as this thing that I love to do, but a side project or you know, maybe I could try and monetize this and make this my gig. And, you know, it was during COVID. I was stuck at home. I lived in New York City. So we were, you know, pretty much like you can't go anywhere. I decided to set up a YouTube, set up a Patreon, really start getting into monetizing my show. And I had such a large back catalog that the minute I decided to do that, the money came in and I was quickly able to make it a full-time gig. And that's my life now. I, you know, I just, I do three episodes a week now. I have, like I said, a Patreon that grew. I almost have a thousand followers in there. I have a a YouTube channel. I love YouTube because of the commenting and the conversations that Mm. go on about my episodes. So, you know, you're going to find me on my phone all the time, answering back comments there, you know, tending to my Patreon members, editing episodes. I do mostly everything myself on my show because I'm a little bit of a micromanager. Yeah, it's just me. I have a, a guy that will do like, he'll cut out some ums and stuff, but I do like the editing of the content and everything, yeah. you know, yeah, and I, I do. And the booking and the talking to my guests and yeah. the social media, everything. So I'm just doing that. And I'm a mom. Like those are the two things that I love the best. And those two things fill up my time. So I'm always, I work from home. I really have to get like a standing desk. And I was thinking recently, I have to get a standing desk and a a walking thing. You know what, you know, one of those things. And uh, because I'm like, I'm not moving because I could sit in front of my computer all day long and work. Totally. Same. So I'm just always working my show and working the episodes and trying to, you know, get more followers and grow my show. That's awesome. So you're anonymous. Do people in your life know what you do? Like, do you get any reactions when people learn what you do? Are you mostly like living in this sort of secret space? Yeah, well, you know, like I said, it was very unintentional that I was going to be anonymous. It was only because I thought it was going to suck, right? But then when it became so much about sex and you know how like, Back in the day, eight years ago, the really big social media platforms just were like Twitter and Facebook, right? So yeah. here I am on Facebook. I have all these different people on. You have, you know, it's like weird Facebook. I, I hate Facebook now, but back then, you know, you have a Facebook and you have your friends and then you have coworkers. It's like such a weird mishmash of people that yeah. I, in a weird way, as open as I am to people that are sitting across from me, like a bigger picture like that, I was never somebody that just like put all my stuff out there. So yeah. I kept it to myself and then the more it started growing and then became so much like, you know, this crazy show about all these crazy sex things. I just then decided to really keep it under wraps. And then when I became a mom, you know, and I have this young boy and even though I'm in New York City and it's a very open place and everything, you know, I just decided it's even better to keep it quiet because. I think sometimes with like my show, I always explain it to people. Like if you look at the titles, you know, it just sounds like this crazy, we're just talking about sex. But if you actually really listen to it, it's not what it appears. You know, I I know how to title a show to get people to listen. But when Mm -hmm. you're listening, it's like really interesting. And it's, but I know most people won't, right? Like most people would be lazy. They just judge it by the title. And because I have a young child, I really keep it under wraps. And it's a hard thing because, you know, I live a nice life and I live in New York City and I have all these things. And, you know, I always worry like, oh, someone's going to ask me, what do you do? You know, yeah. and how do you answer? And I really try to avoid those questions. So, really? the, you know, the answer is I don't tell people and it's weird. You know, it's a weird kind of a place where I'm at right now. When my son's a little bit older, he kind of knows I bring it up to him and mention things. He's only seven yeah. now, but, yeah. you know, it'll be a conversation with him. Like, how does he feel about it? Because it would be a part of his life too. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. But I'm fine at this point letting people know, but I still keep it under wraps mostly because of him. Wow. Wait, so you don't have a cover story? If someone does ask you directly, do you just squiggle? It's really weird. I, you know, like people don't ask, I don't know, you know, I don't get the question a lot, which is great. Then I asked a friend of mine recently, I'm like, so like, what should I say if people ask? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, just tell them you're in marketing. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's that's true. Yeah. But then, you know, I'm a very honest person and this is what's so kind of weird about me. Like here I am this very honest person. Like I said, if I was sitting across from you, I really am an open book. I was always 
very open about everything. And now I'm living like this bigger sort of lie almost. And so I, it would be very hard for me to not say what I really did because I get yeah. so nervous. Someone's going to ask me more questions, but it doesn't come up that much. Thank God. You know, my family knows my closest friends know, but a lot of people don't. Wow. 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 That is. Yeah. I'm wrapping my mind around that also, you know, because I, I have like so many safe for work covers. I'm like, oh, well, you know, sometimes I'm a photographer. Oh, I'm an artist. Oh, I do these things. You know, I, I do so many different arts. That, and then people don't ask questions because it's too many things. But for a person who loves their work like the way that you do, that is so interesting to me. I know. I mean, listen, I get paid to talk. And I mean, every day I feel grateful for the fact that I have this gig and I, my show is successful and it does pay my bills and yeah. I can do it and I love what I and I'm proud of what I do. And I am as open minded and non judgmental as I am on my show, but I'm also a realist and I know that most people aren't. You know, the world still hasn't caught up. The younger generation, yeah. I feel, are like so much, you know, they're very different and they're very open. And thank God for that. Right. But totally. we still have these uh, a lot of people that are judgmental. And like we talked about before, like being a sex worker, or being in the sex industry. I mean, there's a lot of stigma still attached to that, unfortunately. I didn't realize that until like a year. Yeah. Uh, those details are for a different podcast. But like, yes, feel really feel you. I just like stumbled into some of that stigma. And I'm like, oh, wait, why are they treating me different? <gasps> oh, my God, it's real. Um, so yeah. tell us now, where would you like to see your work lead? What's the big Strictly Anonymous dream? My big Strictly Anonymous dream is to really grow my audience like 10 times, like either okay. to get on serious or get oh, a yeah. show or get something to really make it as big as it can. Because like I have a very big audience now, but when you think about like, oh, the world is sort of my oyster and I can get all those people, you know, I feel like I've got my audience as big as I could get it without being well known, without ever really doing anything. I don't advertise it. I, I never did the thing where I went on other people's podcasts. I, it just sort of grew what her mouth or go people Google and find yeah. it. So for me at this point, I feel like to make a really big jump forward, which I really want, I would need to come out of hiding, first of all, and I would mm. do it for that. I mean, at okay. this point, 100% would I go out there and be me and do that. But it would have to be because I'm going to, like I said, increase my audience 10 times. Yeah. So that would be I need more exposure, you know, so that's eventually what I want, because I really do believe that my show helps people. And that's really what I love to do. And I want to do that for more people. Heck yeah. Oh, man, feel that. Also, what a great incentive for people to like, you know, boost you and go uh, share, share, share. Tell us now, what are the sexiest and least sexy parts of your work? Oh, the sexiest part of my work. It's hard because it's like, you know, is the when the baker's baking, is he like, you know, thinking about cupcakes? Probably not. You know, like I sometimes <laughs> think like, because people ask yeah. me the question a lot of the times, like, are you horny when you're listening? And, you mm -hmm. know, there have definitely been times, yes, and especially more yeah. early on, but I feel like, you know, sometimes I tape three episodes a week. Nowadays, I tape a lot to find like the killer stories because I'm in my head and just listening from like a curious standpoint, not from like my pussy. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, is it sexy? The sexiest part for me of my show is when, you know, I get somebody on and they're really open and they're really descriptive and they could really tell some hot stories, you know, within their bigger stories. So yeah. that's the sexiest part. And that's for my audience, you know. And for me, I think the least sexy part of it is, is that I'm, you know, taping a show and I'm talking, like I said, from a different place. So in a weird way, it's kind of unsexy, unsexier, I think, than some people would think, you know. Yeah, and I yeah. think maybe that's always a letdown for people. I don't know. Like, are you horny when you're talking to people? Sometimes, but I'm a unique case. I'm probably like after interviewing hundreds of people over the last five years and, you know, yeah. in spaces where I'm talking to people, I'm one of the horniest people I've ever met. Like, I, I, like I'm, I'm extremely <laughs> yeah. horny. And like you said, I have boundaries. And so I, I can feel my, so for me, it's kind of the duality of like, there's this part where I'm like very curiously listening and like tracking with my, you know, the part of my brain that's kind of become a trained therapist. And then the other part. Yeah is like me just like simmering quietly. But I've also been practicing that skill 
ever since I realized that the feeling of excitement that I felt was turn on. So I'm like almost too heavily boundaried now. And I like don't know when to like allow the horniness out. It's like clamped and tamped down. And I'm like, that happens the more you do it. Like I have 620 episodes, I think, and how many wow. episodes I didn't air. So at this point, wow. you know, we're talking yeah. like seven, eight hundred people I've talked Absolutely. to about these stories. So it's less likely for that to happen now than in the beginning, you know? And plus, like, I'm 54. I was 40 something when I changed. Like, as a woman, you know, your horniest times mm. in your 40s. And then, oh, I'm going to get hornier. <laughs> yes. You, when you said that, I was like, are you in your 40s? Because, yeah, if you are not in your 40s, that you are going to get that is like oh, shit. The, you, that's the horniest time. It's the best. I'm, I'm only 33 yeah. right now. So, damn. Yeah. OK. Oh, wow. I don't even know what's about to happen. That is. I'm no, but I was like you. That. I was always high sex drives, higher than most of my guys. Like, they'd be yes. like, come on, Kathy. Like, not, you yeah. know, that's how I was, too. So, yeah. yeah. That only gets more in your 40s. It's wonderful. <laughs> wow. Oh, my God. All right. Well, I have lots to look forward to. Um, yeah. <laughs> can you talk a little bit about, like, shame as you've encountered it through your work? Like, are there silly experiences? Are there sad experiences? Like, what? I would just love to hear your insights on shame because you have been doing this for so many years. Gosh, I mean, I think that, you know, shame in what sense? And, like, for what I do? Like, well, and, you know, like other people's shame coming up, like, have there been funny circumstances where someone and I mean, your shame, too. I don't know however it comes up for you. But like, I, I just have noticed funny reactions to things. And I'm like, why is that person? Oh, I see shame. And I didn't clock it, you know? Oh, you mean when you're talking to your guests? Yeah. Or people out in the world or just, yeah, wherever. Anything. Yeah. Well, listen, shame. I mean, I think on some level, why do I not tell people what I do? Is it shame? No, but it's like, oh, I don't want them to make judgments on me. So, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know if I face shame so much, like, and, and not even when I'm talking to people, I feel like typically people call into my show because they feel like, oh, this is one place where they don't have to feel that. And it's like yeah. healing for that part of them. And that's what's so important. Yeah. You know, shame is not something that I really deal with. I think when I was younger and I drank more and I did terrible things sometimes when I was like fucking blacked out, like I felt more shame, but it's not something that like I really face in my life at this point. Lovers, this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. We all know that the foundation to an awesome sex life is excellent mental and physical health. But if proper rest, exercise, and a healthy lifestyle aren't leading to the blood flow you'd like when and where you'd like it, check out BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever the opportunity arises. And the process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you are approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office, no dealing with awkward physicians who aren't trained to talk about sex lives, plus no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet pack. They always say first impressions are important, but what about lasting impressions? Lovers, I do believe that we can always make loving, lasting impressions by connecting and being present and chasing our pleasure and our partner's pleasure. And if your priority is making a deep, deep impression between two beautiful, enthusiastic thighs or cheeks in the name of partnered pleasure, I get it. I've worn a strap on now. I, too, love having a hard cock. Blue Chew and I want you to have better sex. Discover your options at BlueChew.com. Chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code LOVER at checkout. You just pay $5 for shipping. That is BlueChew.com promo code LOVER to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And thank you to BlueChew for sponsoring the podcast. I'm curious if it comes up in people's stories or requests for advice, too. Like, what factors of shame? Because I see it come up a lot when, you know, someone's talking to me and they share, they share, they share. And then as soon as, like, a third party enters the room or as soon as I, like, ask a certain sort of – there is a shutdown. And I'm not good at recognizing shame. And I think my shame comes in different places than most people's. And so I'm trying to learn more about shame mostly with this question. And I'm still uh, finessing it. Yeah, I don't even, I feel like I don't even know what it means. And I, I listen, I talk to yeah. 
I include a fetish Friday. I do three episodes a week and I included a fetish Friday in there because it's a more, it's a smaller audience for those kind of episodes, but I feel like they're so important to have and put out there and have for the people that find them. Because I feel like there's a lot of times shame involved with people who have certain fetishes, you know, I don't think any of that stuff is bad or wrong, you know, but I feel like if I see it anywhere, I see it mostly when someone's calling up and maybe they have a fetish and they're living these secret lives. And I don't know if like is feeling like guilty about something, the same thing about shame, because I know that when I have cheaters, I have a lot of cheaters on my show and not mm. all, I don't believe that all cheaters are the same. I'll always have a cheater story on because I think you have to hear the whole story before you make a kind of judgment against, you know, what is going down there. And I do always love to ask somebody like that, like, do you feel bad about what you do? Like, how do you feel about it? Because yeah. I think, you know, it's uh, people's morals and values are their own. You make them up yourself. It's not my place to put them on somebody else, you know, so I like to figure out where that line is or how someone feels about what they're doing. But so I don't feel like I get a lot of shame on my show and I'm like somebody that most people and I think it's because I am very non-judgmental mm -hmm. and I'm very flawed and I've been through a lot of shit in my life and I've done a lot of things so yeah, you know same. who am I to judge anybody I don't and I, you know and like I said I'm a realist I believe life is supposed to be messy yeah I believe in that spiritually like we're supposed to do shit and we're not here to be perfect so no. I don't think we're ever really coming from that place when I'm talking to people, you know, it's not the time for that. It's more the time to be open and release it. And I feel like that's what I hope to do with my show is take away that shame. And I feel like when I say my show helps people, like those are the emails that I get. Like, thank you so much for doing your show because you made me feel not alone or you made me feel like there's other people like me, you know, and I don't have to feel bad that I wear pantyhose, you know, I mean, like there's yeah. just like all these things that people are doing that no one wants to fucking talk about. So... I think in a weird way, I'm just like, I'm trying at all times to take that away, not really focus on it by just getting these true stories and just putting the facts out and letting people know that this is what real people do sometimes, totally. you know? Yeah, that's so interesting. And I'm as I hear you talk, I'm reflecting on the fact that like when I'm interviewing a guest, I have this beautiful container of trust. You know, people know my work well enough to know that if they come on this show, they're not going to get judged. It's a safe space. I say if it's legal and consensual, I'm going to celebrate yes. whatever you're into. And in the regular world, or even even in my community outside of being one-on-one -on -one with a guest, just yesterday, I had an experience where someone emailed me and they're like, well, you shamed me. Da -da -da -da. And I'm like, what? How? Where? When? A guest? Not a guest, but you know, we'd had we'd had an interaction off pod replaying it in my head, I was like, well, so you've seen five years of my work. Like, I don't know what you mean. And that's, you know, that's the thing where I, and hilariously, it was in a conversation about explicit communication because I rely on explicit communication because yeah. I miss a lot of the like secret social signals that most people, you know, kind of bump around into. So it was very interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've also noticed that um, in other circumstances where Maybe people don't know that I'm a podcaster, but they are trying to engage with me sexually in some of the sex workier things that I'm doing. I'll get totally blindsided because I'll be like having a conversation and I'm used to people coming to me with all their trust. And then suddenly someone will like be like, Rah! like they'll get kind of like mad or they'll like accuse me of something. And I'm like, wait, what's happening? And then I realize that it's related to their own shame or self-judgment yeah. or whatever. You know, and I've read all Brene Brown's stuff on shame versus guilt and the I think guilt is like I am bad or shame I can't remember we'd have to go look at her definitely yeah yeah, but, yeah. Um, like yeah right like I'm I'm a bad person as opposed to I did something I bad did something bad yeah thing. yeah I see you know I maybe like I, that's you know you made me see maybe I think I deal with shame quote unquote and other people bringing it up on YouTube and that's what I love about yeah. YouTube because I get these really horrifying yeah. super judgmental right. comments over there. And that's what I love. I love to not, I love a good debate. You know, I'm not okay. afraid of that. And I like, and I think that those conversations have to be had. And I feel like sometimes, you know, mm -hmm. and I love answering back to those people and sticking up for my callers or what they're doing or what they've done and go yeah. against that person's sort of judgment and try and change their mind and have them see it in a clearer way. Because I do believe the way I see it is correct. I just okay. think so many people look at things with blinders on, especially the things we're talking about. So I feel like 
Yeah. You know, I think I'm in that space more on YouTube. And that's why I love YouTube as my show, because I want to go there. I want people to feel less of that and not put that onto people because that's fucking wrong. And like I said before, like, I really believe that everybody's morals and values, like you make it up yourself, like yeah. that, you know, and to yeah. me, what's most right is that you're not doing something that you think is wrong. You know, yeah. whether yeah. it that's something that someone else thinks is wrong or right is not your fucking business. It's like, you know, if that it's how you feel. So I love those kinds of conversations. Bring up shame and try to shame one of my guests and we'll have a good debate. And hopefully I'll change your mind because I want to help those people because sometimes it's just ignorance, you know, mm-hmm. and it's not such a bad thing or people don't know, you know, yeah. and sometimes you turn people around and I love that. I love that too. Also very inspiring because I've been sort of like ignoring YouTube because I'm like, I don't know how to deal with that. <laughs> and now I'm like, oh, oh I hard. see. Oh, I have a love-hate relationship with YouTube. It's like a bad boyfriend, but I can't right. get away because, because like I said, I do love having these conversations and because yes. I also love the conversations that happen about sex and I want to, you know, my whole goal is to make people more open and less judgmental about it that I yeah. feel like the episodes live on over there. And I like YouTube the most for the conversation. That's really what I use it for. Amazing. You know, and it's awesome. That is awesome. I would love to hear if you're willing to share how your sex related work has influenced or informed your own sex life. Oh, you know, it has definitely made me realize like I'm into certain things that I didn't know I was into for sure. And let me tell you, listen, when I first started doing my show, I had no idea that there were like men that wanted to watch their wives fuck other people. Like the whole cuck thing was very interesting to me. And then I started to think before I knew that there was like a cuck queen word, right? I started to think like, oh, I think I have that a little bit because, you know, I'm not the type of person that's in long-term relationships a lot. And But anytime I'm not in a long-term relationship, I always have someone I'm getting my needs met with. You know, I have had very like long-term booty calls and yeah. I always am getting serviced, you know, and whatever. And I Fuck would yeah. always be like, it made me start to think like I used to like beg my booty call to tell me who he fucked before me and like all this <gasps> stuff. And I started to like, I was able to put things together and be like, oh, I'm a little bit. And then I realized it's the word is cuck queen because I, you know, I'm a yeah. little bit of a cuck. I kind of get that thing. I could see myself getting off on that. I also you know, always tried to do every different type of like open relationship and different kind of thing when I was younger before it was like in style. So my show has given me a lot of insight of how to do that kind of stuff properly, you know, in the right way so that you could be successful. So to me, like the next relationship I went in, I would do it and be very intentional about having it be a non-monogamous open relationship where we could try these things that I'm into now. I'm also into tease and denial. I never really realized that the fact that I would like dry hump someone at when I was 40, that that meant that I was into that. I just thought I was like crazy. You know, people would be like, why are you dry humping, Kathy? When you could like, fuck. I'm like, have you tried dry humping? Like, yeah. it's so fucking hot. So hot. I love it too, actually. Right? Yeah. You yeah. like tease and denial, right? I mean, like. Oh, yeah. A whole everything. Yeah, like those boundaries. Like I had this one guy that I was sleeping with and I would love to just be like, uh, you know, we were not allowed to like uh, do anything. Like we can't even, like one day I was like, we can't even kiss. But so we were just like laying on top of each other, like breathing and doing everything and rubbing and all the clothes are on and you, you know, and I don't know, like that whole tease and denial thing can be so fucking hot if you uh, know how to get into it, you know. I had a boyfriend that would only put his dick in halfway. I called <gasps> him the halfway in. I called him the, I, I called it the halfway in game. And my friends would always be like, you know, like, how can you stay with him? And I'm like, you don't understand. Like I started teaching people about the halfway in game. And I played the halfway in game with other guys just to prove that it's like the hottest thing ever. And it's like, you know, when you're like fucking someone, like you need it harder and faster when you're yep. getting closer to organ because you're so used to like the feeling. Whereas like, when that guy would only put it halfway because he had some weirdo commitment issues uh, and we would be like laying there, not doing anything, the slightest movement yes. would make that feeling so fucking intense. Mm. You know, and it was that tease and denial. It's just like there and you're making out and you just, if I would like cough and it would be like the hardest pounding I ever had because you're not over like the sensation. You have nothing but the littlest thing. You know what I mean? It's not like when you're regular banging and you need more because you're so used to it. 
So the halfway in game was like really hot to me. And I've done it with other guys like for fun. Like that guy had issues and that's why he was doing yeah. it. But I have played the halfway in game where you just put it in and you do not move. Yes. And you yes. just do every. Have you done that? Uh, not halfway, but um, when I was all the way. Yeah. All the way. So it's. Uh, I learned about it through Mormon friends growing up. And they were like, it's called soaking. You just put it in and you don't move. And I was like, and, and that's something that always, so when I got my first boyfriend, finally, that was the first time I felt like at 22, safe enough to be like, can we try this thing? And we did. And I got so turned on by it. Oh my God. Wait, are you Mormon? No, no. I just oh, had some okay, friends. Why did you not lose your virginity till you're 22? I was 19 when I did lose it. Um, I got rejected the first four times I tried. It wasn't for lack of trying. <laughs> <laughs> like there's a reason I'm trying to figure out sex still. I also just didn't know it was an option for a while. So it's called soaking. That's so interesting. When you just yeah, put I, it so in and don't after, move. That's what they said. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's hot. Yeah. So that's yeah. what I what I've done. More with the other guys. It's more it's more soaking. More put it all the way it. in and then don't do anything. Just make out and just say and don't allow yourself to do anything. And it's like really hot. So yeah, my show has made me realize I'm into all kinds of uh things. When I was really young, way before I started my show, I always was very interested in sex. Like unlike mm -hmm. you. I couldn't wait to lose my virginity. I think I was like 14 looking for someone yeah. to have sex with because I really just wanted to live in the world. I wanted to be grown up. I wanted to be able to answer questions in Cosmo magazine about sex. Like I just wanted to get it fucking on. So I was always like trying to get there. So I lost my virginity. But when I was really young, I was always like, really, I would always be like, oh, you know, when I'm like 60, I'm going to be like a swinger. I saw this really great documentary called The Lifestyle. And it was like really great. This was a long time ago. And I remember thinking like, oh, that's what I'm going to do. And, you know, I've kind of been there, done that. Like, why not? You know, and it's just so funny when I think back to like who I am then to who I am now. Now, like I'm in that world and I'm talking to people and I'm still teetering sort of on the outskirts of it. Yeah. Yet I really am like in that world and talking to these people. And this was what was fascinating to me like 30 years ago. You know, I was into yeah. it. Kind of like. Damn. Oh, that's so cool. Okay, here's a question for you. What are your work life and personal life boundaries like, especially in terms of your own sex life? Like, I find myself lately, like, really having to work to stay out of interviewer podcaster mode on dates. Like, what's your vibe like there? Yeah, it's hard because it's always like, when do I bring up what I do? Right. Oh, and then right. how does somebody think about it? But I feel like for me, I'm not, I haven't dated in a little bit because of my son, but I feel yeah. like my podcast and what I do is the perfect intro into eventually letting somebody know that I would be dating, that I would be more open to something more alternative. You know what I'm okay. saying? So for me, it's like a positive, but you know, being a single mom, like I haven't really dated. I've been, I, you know, I have a booty call person um, and that person knows what I do, but I feel like the next relationship I would have, I would lead with my show and I would 100% let them know. And I feel like it would be helpful. It, you know, it's going to help lead the conversation in because like I said, through my show, I realized like I wouldn't have a monogamous relationship. I would want an open relationship. So, you know, they'd have to be down for that. And yeah. my show is the perfect intro to the conversation, right? Yeah. What about like um, boundaries in terms of talking either with an editor or even with guests that you talk to? Like, do you have to like enforce stuff? Like, how do you kind of navigate that? It seems like you're probably pretty good at it, I feel like. Yeah, like it's funny because uh, I once had this uh, fetish person. She was a woman who was emailing. I had like a fetish guy on and this, the girl that he was dealing with, uh, that he was buying stuff from, like emailed me about him and trashing him and saying such rude things and stuff. And oh, I was wow. like, wow, I don't sort of experience him in that way. You know, I, you know, you would think in our job and maybe you feel the same way. You know, I've talked to all these people, these men, these over, almost 700 of them, and women that are doing all these kind of crazy things. I, it's very rare that people cross boundaries with me. I mean, I could probably count on my two hands anytime that like I got a dick pic or anything. Like really? I just feel like I tow that line really well. And sometimes people will, and this goes back to your sex worker question. Like sometimes somebody will say like, can you send a picture of your feet or why don't you post sexy pictures of yourself? I'm like, well, 
there's a difference. Like I'm a host of a show. Like I'm hosting a show. Like I'm a talker. Like that's what I do for a living. So like I give you pictures of my guests and all that stuff. It's about them. You know that that's, but for me, I'm like the host. So it's like a different kind of a thing. So I feel like people really respect my boundaries. I don't get a lot of guys that push it, but I'm very clear with what I do. That's someplace where I'm very black and white. Like I just don't cross those lines. Lovers, we are going to take a quick pause for a word from our sponsor. And they have given me notes to do a sultry female voice. So I'm very excited and I'm going to do my best. Did you know the Flora app is a safe place to open up? Embrace your desires and find like-minded people. This is the story of one couple who found the threesome of their dreams, discovered a new level of shared passion, and stepped into a whole other realm of possibilities, all thanks to Flora. As life's routine settled in, Robert and Lucy found themselves yearning to explore uncharted territories, so they downloaded Flora and embarked upon a thrilling journey of sensual experimentation, learning more about each other's desires in the process. Open-minded and adventurous, Robert and Lucy dreamt of adding a new dimension to their intimacy, sharing the touch of another woman, being witnessed and connecting in a way that transcends the ordinary. In Fleur's diverse and accepting community, Lucy connected with Emily, a babe craving the same experiences. So they invited Robert to the conversation. The chemistry built and anticipation heightened as they exchanged messages until finally their agreed-upon date night arrived. A gorgeous hotel was the setting for their evening of pleasure, passion, and connection. A shared exploration that fulfilled each party's desires. Floor App celebrates the beauty of open-minded connections. It's a platform where fantasies come to life and desires are embraced without judgment. For couples seeking adventure with others or individuals keen on exploring, Floor invites us all to a world where every desire is a possibility waiting to unfold. Download Floor now, express your desires freely, and find like-minded people today. I had a girl once call in, and she fucked some really famous YouTuber guy that uh-huh. kind of does what we do and stuff. And I was like, oh, and I was a little judgmental. I was like, I can't believe he's, like, fucking the, his guests, you know, on a show and stuff. And I'm like, well, maybe if I was a guy, I'd do that. But, like, I, I just don't, you know, I don't fish in that pond. It's, like, what I uh-huh. do for a living. And I love the people that I talk to, and I feel very close to them after we speak. And a lot of times they keep, you know, in, talk, in contact with me, and I'm always looking for updates. But I don't cross boundaries at all. I don't okay. make friends with people. I don't ever let them know who I am. I, you know, I, I keep it very much like this is my job. And that's, you know, I'm very professional. I always have been in any job that I have. I mean, that's awesome. I feel like the more that I mix my personal and professional life together, like I've just been like mixing for the past several years. And I'm like, I don't know what the lines are. I've been an artist. What do I, who can, artists are allowed to fuck people, right? And then, you know, I have crossed <laughs> that line a couple of times and been like, oh shit, I'm not doing that again. You know, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that guy is an artist too. And I think that that's okay though. You know what I mean? Like I was like, when I found myself being judgmental, I was kind of like, why should I be? Like, why not? Yeah. That's just not the way I roll. But what is the problem, you know? And so I, I think that that's okay, you know? There can be imbalance, though. And and what it took me a minute to realize, and I had to kind of remake some rules for my own self, because I was like, this is fine, and it's a friend of a friend. And um, I, I didn't understand the nature of parasocial relationships. I didn't understand, like, the projection or the people think I'm fancy, you know, because of because they've listened to me, because I've been in their ear. And so that was a big learning curve for me, and kind of, like, not understanding, like, why... You know, I think what I look for in loverships now is is just like aligned desire because when we have it, and it's fun, it doesn't have to be exactly the same, but I didn't know how it was different. I want to at least have some consciousness out of like, oh, is this person trying to be like a medium star fucker or like, do they like, you know, are they attracted to me for personal reasons, you know, yeah. body reasons, animal reasons. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, listen, I get some obsessed fans and I try to respond to a lot of people's dms and yeah. youtube comments and stuff but as i've grown it's like i can't do it as can't much and yeah. uh, i find though that it's actually better when you don't respond too much because then they lose that boundary and then yes they, i mean i've had some you know fans that like they're literally having arguments with me as if like we broke up and i'm like i don't yeah. know where you're creating that you know what yeah. i mean right and I'm i like, just got one of so those I, 
yeah, you have to, uh, I realize that you can't really be so consistent and stuff because then they think something else is going on and yeah. they don't really get, and I think I, I get why people don't understand it, but I'm, sometimes I have to explain like, listen, I have like a million of you in my <laughs> inbox and in my DMs and my things, you know, and I love every single person that listens to my show. I Me value too. them so much. I do try to get back to everyone, but the people that I, and I think you could always sense once you get used to it, the person that's going to get a little addicted to you. And, you know, I intentionally, I'm not consistent with that person as much because I don't want them to get addicted to me, you know, because I can't cross that boundary and I'm not going to become friends and it's not going to go past that because I'm, you know, I don't have that time and I, it's just, that's not what I do. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting, too. I love that you say that you value all of your listeners because I do, too. I'm like, oh, I value you so much. And it's so funny when I realize I'm in a situation where I'm like, oh, they're not they're not valuing me as much as I'm valuing them. There is an imbalance here and it's reverse. OK, oh, you know, like the expectations there. It's so Yeah. And they could be mean sometimes. And like, you know, and, and it's like, wow. But, you know, I never understood like, you know, listen, I'm a person that I love music. I love art. I love movies. I love pop culture. You know, so I'm a fan of people, you know, and I always felt like embarrassed to be a fan in a weird way. I can't explain it. Like I would never be someone that would go and like ask someone for a, a autograph because I'm like, yeah. oh, how embarrassing. But now that I actually make something and put it out there, I really realize like how it's so not bad. Like it's not embarrassing to be a fan. Like it's like the people like, I don't know, like I love my listeners. Like the way yeah. I, I like if they didn't listen or they, it, I would have nothing. So I never really realized how it was on the opposite end. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That if I went up to somebody who I loved and was like fawned over them, that they would just love that because that's how I feel now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Someone that loves my show. I'm like, I love that you love my show. Like that feels so amazing because it's like what you create, you know, you're an artist, right? You create more than your show. It's like for somebody to appreciate your art, you know, that feeling you can't understand. And so I never realized that until I was on the opposite end that, you know, to appreciate someone's thing and let them know that you love their shit is like awesome. Because I think most people who create stuff and everything, you know, you hear people say it like they love their audience. Now I get it because that's how I feel for my people, you know? Totally. Well, and it's also about how the appreciation is shared for me. I think, you know, like I, when someone's like, I love your show, I'm like, oh, me too. Like, like, I'm like, oh, wow. Like you like the same things I like basically. Is the yeah. Part. Yeah. Okay. So I would love to know now what you have like learned about social and or cultural norms through your work that you've either found surprising or interesting. This is kind of like a broad patterny question, but I'm curious what you have noticed through talking to 700 plus people in this way. Well, I think it's uh, all the fetishes that exist. Like, I mean, mm. you know, I didn't realize how many men wore pantyhose underneath their pants. Yeah. I didn't realize how many guys really have a thing for their girl fucking another guy. Yes. Uh, I think I always knew that a lot of guys were blowing guys behind everyone's backs. <laughs> I mean, like, come on, you know, how did you I'm know? Sure I didn't know. I knew because I think most people are a little bisexual. I mean, I think the end of the spectrum is more, I think is, you know, the less people exist on either hetero or homo and most people be yeah. belong someplace in the middle. You know, there's so many more women that are sort of out about being into women, but not as many guys. Why? Because there's mm -hmm. a stigma, not because there's not as many guys right. that are into guys. Yeah. You know, so I always knew <laughs> that existed. I think I didn't know about all these other things and, just when I think I've heard it all, I hear about something else. And that's what I love. I think it's like fun and it's super interesting. And who the fuck cares what people do? I don't know why people actually are so judgmental about what people do in their sex life. Like you said, as long as it's legal and consensual, you know, I don't know why people get so uptight. I think it's of some, some sort of like inner jealousy because they wish they could do these kind of things yeah. themselves or something. I don't know. But it always is interesting to me to learn about all the different things that people are into, all the fetishes, all the kinks, you know, all the interesting stories and the different kinds of things that people do when it comes to SCX, I find fascinating. And that's what I've learned from my show. And oh, it's, yeah. it's always fun and super interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On that note, like which of these norms, it sounds like maybe the judgment stuff, like what would you like to shift? Like if you could just be like, culture, go this way. Like what would you, what would you be in charge of? You know, I think that, and I think it's already shifting. I mean, when I grew up, 
I told you I couldn't wait to lose my virginity. I fucked whoever I wanted. I didn't need to be in a relationship. I was actually rarely in a relationship. But if I wanted to fuck a guy, I would. Like, But when I was growing up, because I'm in my 50s, like, no girls did that. Like, I was the minority. You know, yeah. I it was like I was a slut quote unquote, you know, like my guy friends would say to me, I can't tell you my time, how many times I heard like, oh, Kathy, you know, you're not the kind of girl you marry. You're like the kind of girl you fuck, you know, yep, and totally, know. I, I, you know, that Madonna whore thing, I think for women, you know, and I think it's already happening because most women are like me now. I think I was like, a, I was ahead of my time, you know, yeah. that women are able to like sex and enjoy sex. And also be a mom and be yeah. everything else, you know, and it's it's just a part, it's just like a man can, you know, and I think that that is what I want. I That's why I love having women on my show that fucking love sex and do crazy things, yeah. you know, because, and I love YouTube for people to go there and say shit because I'm going to stick up for them because I think it's important. Like women like sex as much as men, but I think a lot of times they had to repress it because of the stigma around that and I hate that because like I said I'm older and I grew up with that and I was like I'm gonna fuck whoever I want like I used to have this saying and I drew a picture of it and you're an artist you would love my picture it was like I was always like I say whatever I want and I fuck whoever I want and I feel mm. most free in things that originate from my lips lips meaning <gasps> my lips on my mouth and lips on my pussy like I do what the fuck I want and I always have and I think that women should you know so I like for that to be I the Madonna horror complex to be gone, you know, and yeah. for people to be less women to be less oppressed. And I also think for men, I hate the homophobic shit that's out there. It blows Same. my mind. Even the guys that are doing it, they'll be like, oh, but, you know, I like to suck a dick, but I'm not gay. And I'm like, yep. but like, OK, maybe you're not. But like, why would that be a bad thing? Yeah. It's still like a thing. And even in the swinger community, I can't yeah. tell you how many swingers I have on. And we always talk about how even in that world, that's so super open guy on guy action is, is still stigmatized. And it's so it's bad. And I can't believe I'm like, you guys need the, the PR person for the transgender community because they have like surpassed you. Like, why is that more accepted than gay men? Like what the fuck is why do people have such an issue? It's like so ridiculous. And I think that that's terrible. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I think that that needs to be destigmatized. You know, there are, like I said, I, you know, I love to have a guy on that's blown other guys and it is going to admit it because that shit's going down. Yep. Totally. Everyone. Yeah. I fucking love that. Also, so Aries of you to be such a trailblazer. Just saying. Right. Just saying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Very much Aries. That was me. Like I said, in my first 40 years, I was an Aries doing whatever I wanted. It wasn't really accepted. I mean, you know, and I, I never stopped myself or it, it didn't really matter. And I had my friends accepted and I moved to New York City. And that was like a great place for me to be because it is more accepting. But where, where I grew up in the suburbs, I felt like a freak, you know, because yeah. it was like everybody read the book and did what they're supposed to and got married and whatever. And I just yeah. think uh, um, I didn't do any of those things. You know, yeah. I had a child when I was older by myself. I did, you know, I just done everything my own way when it was right for me. And I wish for other people to be more that way. But I think people are, you know, you're from a way you're from a different generation. Like, do you see these things in your generation or is it is it different? And I see a lot of what you're saying across age groups. I mean, the the younger, like Gen Z, they're, there's a big split. There's the ones that are like yeah. really, really up with it. And they're like, yeah, I'm myself. Don't worry about it. And then there's the ones that are like, you don't know how to research and are maybe more constrained than ever. But I think what I see in, in my, you know, people in their 30s and 40s, it's, it's very similar. And it, a lot of it seems to depend on, you know, the early upbringing. And I think the more that we are able to see examples. I know it's been huge in my life, just seeing examples of other people that are yeah. like me. Because I grew up on a fucking farm in the middle of nowhere. So, you oh, know, really? I, just, I didn't. Where? In, Amer in, where? in California, in, the, in Central California. So, you know, I'm, I'm from a small town between Fresno and Bakersfield. Like, it's the middle of nowhere. And I grew up on 40 acres of oranges and just, you know, read a lot of books. And, of course, the romantic examples that we see in literature and TV and movies, like, I think... As that starts to shift, that's the most powerful thing. I think media and storytelling, and that's why I love what we do, because it's, in my opinion, a more real storytelling. Like, yeah. now I'm like, what What do you mean? You know, I was home actually just a few days ago, and my mom was looking at the local newspaper, and she's like, wow, 10% of Generation Z identifies as 
LGBTQIA plus. What? <laughs> what? And I was like, only 10%. You know, I'm I like, know, that exactly. doesn't line up with my data. <laughs> so, but I do, I do still see the homophobia quite often. And I've actually, it's come up in conversation a lot. The idea of, you know, being heteroflexible, basically. Like people that yeah. are like, no, no, I'm straight, but I'll suck a dick or like, I'll let a guy suck my dick or, you know, whatever. And I'm just like, but what's happening? We really have to get specific with the labels here. And, you know, for some people it's very important and some people it doesn't really matter. And I'm more team, like, let's have pleasure. <laughs> like, let's just like follow Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I, yeah. I yeah. do though say, what I say about labels and I have to say, because like when I was younger, there weren't as many labels. There were two, yeah. you know, you're yeah. either straight or you're gay and no there were like three or you're bisexual and bisexual meant something very different back then when i was but there was no other relationship except being single or being married and i Mm. never fell into any of those groups and because i did whatever i wanted it was like i felt very dysfunctional you know because there were no terms so i feel like i see even as an older person like i'm always like don't fucking knock labels like i think eventually people don't need them in their life and you just you know but at a certain point especially when you're first starting out it can be very helpful to be able to put a label for it than to feel like you're sort of just like existing out there and there is no place for you especially when you're younger so i think the label thing is actually great for younger people i wish there were more labels like i said when i was younger because i didn't feel like i fit in anywhere as a person that didn't want to be monogamous that liked to fuck a lot of different guys that tried to fuck women like you know where do i belong that didn't want to get married i didn't want to get married when i was younger like i just didn't get that whole fantasy you know i kind of uh like labels i think that they're helpful like i said i don't need a label for myself now but I think that they're good at a certain time. And I think they're helpful that there's so many of them now that people don't have to feel so weird about what they're doing because there's a label for it. Yeah. Well, I think I think labels can be helpful unless someone is very caught up on the label. And when I notice that happens, it's usually people who are there's so much more behind the label that they don't want to say, you know, and so there's like the difference between just like trying to identify with something versus like using a label as a shortcut to get to know a person. That's kind of what I've, I think has been um, the nuance of labels being helpful or not helpful that I've noticed. Okay. I would love to know since starting Strictly Anonymous, have you noticed any like sex related trends specifically in the area of like podcasting? Like you kind of alluded to this earlier by saying, oh, there's been an explosion. You know, I'm as of five years ago, one of those exploders. But yeah, what, what have you noticed business wise, work wise, sex podcast wise? Well, there are so I mean, I think a lot of people realize that more people are talking about sex and more people want to like recently. And I don't know if it went anywhere, but when Gwyneth Paltrow starts like a fucking sex podcast or some sex conversation thing, you're like, oh, I was like really excited. I'm like, oh, it's becoming a little bit more mainstream now. I don't know whether her whole sex talk thing went anywhere. And I think maybe we're still a couple years away from being more mainstream and having it more out there. But I feel like a lot more people are talking about sex. It's more okay to talk about sex because podcasting in general is more popular. And now everyone's putting money into it. Everybody and their mother wants to start a show, you know what I mean? And there's a lot more. And I mean, as somebody, and I'm sure you feel this way because you got in many years, I've been seeing your show around for a while, you know, you still, you got in before the big boom. Like, I'm so grateful that I did because I wouldn't be able to be as successful now. So there's just a lot more people in the space. But what I love about podcasting is I feel like the more the merrier, like I think that there's not that sort of competition aspect and everyone does it in different ways. And there's so many different angles for it, you know, so I think it's great. It only helps our cause. You know, I always feel like sex podcasters and all of us in the business are, you know, stronger together than we are separate, you know, because the world needs to know uh, about these things and people really still need help accepting the the shit that we're trying to get them to accept, you know, so the more the better. So I think it's great. And I just see more people talking about it and doing different things, a lot more erotica on there, which I think is great. You know, more people doing like what we're doing, people coming out, having conversations, you know, telling people stories. So I think it's all great. And it's, you know, it's definitely happening. Yeah. 
What would you say you're the most excited to explore or grow in your work going forward? I mean, so obviously we're at the precipice of Kathy K maybe becoming public, maybe being like, yeah, that's top, what top, I top. want. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. what I want. Yeah. And there's been times like when I started my Patreon page, I'm like, oh, maybe I'll be like, oh, strictly unanonymous there and I'll put my face there and that's how I'll get people over. But then people will like a lot of times when I say I'm going to like out myself, a lot of times people will be like, you know what, Kathy, like by making yourself anonymous, like people could paint the picture themselves. Like there is mm. something to it, you know, but I feel like personally, I feel like in my gut, I feel like if I'm ever going to make a jump, I probably have to give that up. And I would. And that took me a long time to get to that place to make that decision and I feel like now that I said okay because I believe a lot in energy and intention and what you put out you know it was really my choice like do I want to get that big that I would have to put myself out there you know I didn't really know that because I think that there's a lot that comes with that but I decided that yes so and I feel like now that I decided yes, like and I'm open to it, I, I hope that that comes. And that's like my big future goal. How long that takes, I don't know. I tend to be because I'm such a realist, like I, I, I'm not someone that believes it happens overnight. You know, I could still be years away from that. But that is what I'm working towards. I just do, though, you know, and I think you know this about anything. I mean, it should be about the journey, not the destination. Yeah. For me, I love 100%. what I do anyway for my show. So even if it stayed like this, I couldn't be happier. Like, because I love editing it. I love posting it. I love commenting on it. I love talking to the people. I love making the thing. You know, I love advertisers. I love making the ads. I like it all. So it's all fine now. But, you know, I do hope that my future goes to where it needs to be, which is where I do come out and I put my face to it. And I feel like maybe the timing will be perfect. My son will be a little bit older and Mm -hmm. it will all come together at the right time. You know, I don't know, but that's really my future goal is to come out my coming out because people will be like what's your secret i'm like oh yeah somebody once said like maybe your secret is your show i'm like yeah that is i just like my cold, <laughs> yeah. i'm living a secret i'm living a secret life too i have this whole thing it's, it's, at this point it's like just becoming a bigger secret as we go on so i, I hope to make that. it not a secret one day oh i love that so much Okay, so if you could wave a magic wand and just teach everyone in the whole wide world something about sex, what would you teach them? Oh, God, I feel like maybe I've said it a thousand times the same thing, but I just, um, to me, sex, money, food, like these are just like the pleasures in life. Like there's nothing wrong with any of those things. They're just positive, and I hate that people turn them negative. Like people do the same thing with money, you know what I mean? It's just like these things could be just positive things. Sex is positive. What people do in their own private time is nobody's business. A lot of times, like, I I don't know if you hear this a lot, but I have uh, people comment like, oh, would she tell her kids that she fucks like people when her husband watches? I'm like, no, but my mother wouldn't tell me how she fucked her vanilla husband last night either. Like vanilla people don't tell their kids about their sex. So why should these people, you know, it's all like, stupid judgment so my my magic wand would wave and just make people just like know that this is the shit that goes down this is what people do and who the fuck cares so that some people that are hiding these things could be more open because listen the trickle down effect of this judgment is all this cheating and secret lies that are going down and the devastation that comes out when things are found out. I mean, it ruins marriages. It ruins, you know, I, my favorite question is always like, where do you hide your shit? You know, cause my thought is always like, Oh my God, imagine you get in a car accident and then, you know, they find your stuff and you die. And now your wife has to be like, what the fuck was he into? You know, there's a whole stash of women's clothes, you know, when they never got to explain and now you're forever going to be known as that. And like, what a sad thing, you know? Yeah. So I just feel like the more accepting people could be the less of all this nonsense there, there would be as well. And like I said, it breaks up marriages and it's sad because it weighs on people. Yeah. So I think I would uh, just like for people to get into reality, you know, <laughs> A lot of times, and I find it very rude, a lot of times just even my regular friends will be like, oh, yeah, because, you know, you're talking to crazy, you know, the crazy people you talk to. And I'm like, but I don't see the people on my show as crazy. And sometimes like the YouTubers will comment, oh, yeah, because, you know, like they use that word crazy. I'm like, no, like that's the opposite. Like what I'm trying to show you is these people are not 
crazy, quote unquote, like these, this might be your uncle. This might be your yes. brother. This might be yep. your husband. It might be your girlfriend. It might be your mom and dad. Like I'm trying to show you the exact opposite. And the fact that people still see things that way is what I want to try and get away. Like they're not perverts. They don't live on an Island. They don't look a certain way. These are regular people that have regular jobs and regular everything like you. And they're just doing these things in the bedroom, you know? And talking about it. Like if they're, if, if they're crazy, we're all crazy. Like it's just the, the self-judgment. Ah, what is crazy, you know, weird, crazy weirdos. <sighs> yeah. Like what, you know, Oh, like, no, these are just, these are regular people that do yeah. crazy things. Maybe you want to say that. I don't know, but I, you know, so I wouldn't make everybody be more accepting. I love it. Okay, now I would like you to help me with a fantasy brainstorm. My lifelong project. Imagine a giant creative space. It's part sex ed museum. It's part erotic art gallery. It has a secret members-only sexy play space, maybe a dungeon or something. Maybe it's a co-working space that sex workers and performers can also use, like a sexy sex worker we work. There's play parties on the weekends. There's educational events. And you have been tasked with designing one of the rooms. So it can represent you, it can be the Strictly Anonymous, it can be a Kathy K room, like whatever you want. You have an unlimited budget and it, for you, represents pleasure or an experience you want people to have. What would you make? Oh, wow. Well, I would want to be in charge of the whole fucking thing and I would probably like run it like I run my Patreon, which is like, you know, because I have these two separate places in my Patreon and I feel like when you say that, I immediately thought, oh, like my dungeon room would be like my Discord. And my, like, I would invite everybody in and I love to foster relationships and get people talking and create a place where people could meet each other and be open. And then when they want to go further and do that private stuff and get more sexual, I would send them downstairs to the dungeon and I would have no part in that. I would want that to happen, but I would love to foster the relationships and get everybody in the mood and then let them go do their thing. So I would be like that hostess. And that's like kind of what I do on my Patreon. Like I invite everybody in and then they could go onto my Discord and there's like all kinds of X-rated things and people get to share and do whatever. And I'm like, I don't get involved there, but I love to okay. create that space and bring people together for them to go there and then enjoy themselves. So I would do the same thing in that little space. I'd have oh. my dungeon for everyone to go have fun, but I'd love to invite them in and get them comfortable and get them in the mood and get them introduced to everybody. And then they could go have their fun. And I would like to stay separate. Like I do <laughs> as usual. Cause for me, my sex, I let, it's like, I'm like more private. So that's, that's the yeah. way I would roll. Is that love boring? It. I don't know. No, I've no, there's literally never a wrong answer. There's only right answers in fantasy brainstorms. So that's, um, right, right, I, right, love right, right, right. Yeah. I love that. Uh, anything else you want to say about Strictly Anonymous or sex or anything else? Any other final thoughts? I don't really know. I mean, like, listen, people could follow my show. I'm like Strictly Anonymous. Like I said, on, you know, every podcast app, I do three shows a week. And I do that so that I hope that, like, you know, my audience could find at least one episode that they're interested, if not more than one episode a week. You know, I have my YouTube channel. I have my Patreon. My Patreon's like a fun place. So like, you know, people could go find all my stuff. Oh, yeah. We have links to all of that in the description below. Kathy Kay of Strictly Anonymous, thank you so much for being a guest on Sex Stories. Thank you. It was so great to finally talk to you. <laughs>